Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. I'm your co-host, Daddy Diosa. And I'm your other co-host, Diana. Welcome to Magic Mommy's podcast, a space where we talk about our healing journeys as two queer spiritual women of color. And a space curated for our growth, our messiness, chisme, puteando. Magic Mommies is a podcast dedicated to reframing the ways we think, talk, and embody healing work. Mm-hmm. 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 So, <laughs> with that to start off, um, one of the segments that we... <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm just, I'm nervous. <laughs> oh, um, one of the games... Wait, no, that's not what I meant. Um, one of the things that we... Or one of the ways we like to start off with our podcast is um, to play, healing through play. Um, you know, it's a good way to just kind of let loose, to kind of, you know, ground ourselves and yeah in general with, have fun in general have fun and as two libras we're always down for a good time so with that the game that we're going to be playing is called just one minute i don't know i looked it up on google <laughs> i've never played this but i am the premise is pretty much that we get to choose a topic um and so like i'll choose a topic for diana diana's going to choose one for me and we basically have to talk for a minute on that topic that we chose for each other so i guess i'll Who start s- you start yeah okay yay yay <laughs> i'm so excited okay um so the first topic mm-hmm. for one minute diana zoe oh my god zoe okay so zoe is my daughter if y'all don't already know she is three months old now uh, well, when we filmed, filmed this, um, she was three months. Um, I got her um, the day before Halloween. So on October 30th is when I adopted my little baby Zoe. She's an Aussie doodle. Um, she is black and white. She's the cutest little thing. She has this little Will Ferrell looking look. Um, and she's just like the most adorable thing. Um, and yeah, so now I've had her for about three no, two and a half months, um, and, or two months, and we've just been having a really great time. I originally got Zoe um, because I've been I, I've been wanting a pet for a while now, um, and with us being in the pandemic, I'm like I'm gonna be home for a while, and so I think it's a perfect time for me to get a pet. Um, and so my sister actually has or like uh, has her sister, so it's really cool. We didn't want to separate them. Um, we got them from my sister's friend, and she had two puppies left, and so I got Zoe. And then my sister got her sister, um, Luna. Um, and so we were just like, we can't separate them. Originally, when, when I was getting Zoe, literally, like, Luna grabbed onto her as, like, they were giving a Zoe to, like, not let go of her. And we felt so bad. So then we had to go back the next day and obviously get, you know, Luna because we couldn't separate them. Because, you know, my sister and I, were sisters. And we're like, we don't want to separate another pair of sisters. And so we got them both. And they're just the cutest thing. And now we're just just you know um, I'm training her I want her to I would like her for her to eventually be a therapy dog and she's just she's so smart and she's a little emo baby and yeah I'm gonna let that one run too because she's a precious being oh wow okay are you ready for your topic (laughs) well I love that like your like mom (laughs) side just came out okay so your next topic is I'm gonna let this get to four butts go (laughs) What? But but go. Oh my god. 
Uh, I should have asked you for boobs or like, anyways. But I said sacred. everything was fair game. <laughs> boobs are just butts. No butts. <laughs> They're just beautiful. TikTok, TikTok, Daddy Diosa. Uh, make me nervous. I butts are great. You can sit on them. You can do a lot of things with them. Um, they're very soft. They're very unique. Um, uh, twerking. Oh, who doesn't like a good twerking video? Megan the Stallion, twerk queen, um, also has a nice butt. Very nice butt. Um, yeah, I think that they are the backbone to <laughs> this country. Um, butts in general. People want to make them bigger, um, which, you know, a lot of thoughts on that one. Like, fucking, what's their Kardashians? Damn, like, their asses look like... Anyways, doesn't matter. That's not the point. I want to keep it wholesome and just say booties are great. And I hope that everyone just loves their butt. And that's in this essay, I will. That's exactly yes. one minute. Cool. Bang. Nice. <laughs> I told you it's for a game if you wanted to do boobs, but here All we right, are. All right, okay, boobs. One minute, go. And no, On the done. spot. We're no, done. go. We're done. Go. It's you. <laughs> no, we're not. We actually had three. Go. You said two. Go. Don't. You don't get go. to do that. No. No, no. I'm shy. I'm shy. <laughs> I'm shy. I can't. I can't. I don't know enough. Okay. Anyway, so um, thank you. This is so embarrassing. I hope none of my family was listening to this. <gasps> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you for so going. Dale like <laughs> if you agree. <laughs> butts are sacred. <laughs> Who doesn't agree with that? And boobs equally fine. Um, you had your chance to in talk. In case y'all don't know, I'm a huge boob lover. I love boobs. I love me boobs. I you love know, me I, a lot of boobs. <laughs> I think you've like talked about this one time in another episode. I want to say probably, probably as as we should. Yeah, yeah. She always talks about boobs, and I appreciate butts, and so we laugh about that. But Again, I love all parts of the body. And I really love boobs. Right. <laughs> yes. Anyways. <laughs> all right. So, like, going into um, what this episode is going to be about. Um, actually, it's going to be really exciting. Um, of course, as many of y'all know, and if you don't know, Diana is on top of, you know, <laughs> being part of this podcast. She does a lot of dope fucking work and has her own um, scholarship foundation. She that is for undocumented students and undocumented folks in general. Um, and so she's going to be talking more about um, her foundation. And we're going to just be interviewing about, you know, about you, your hustles, what you're doing, um, mm -hmm. your foundation in itself, get people, you know, to learn more about it um, and have this space where you can talk about it. And and yeah, I think to open up, I know that you wanted to yes. go into a poem, but let me stop you before you do, because I wanted to pull up something for you. <laughs> you look really nervous because, you know, at this point, You've done a few poems, and I just wanted to remind you of your humbling beginnings, and I wanted to read you a poem. <laughs> the first poem <laughs> that you wrote for In me. In the library? Yes. No. I actually... <laughs> no! <laughs> I was sleep-deprived. <laughs> I actually have the p actual paper, but it's like in the closet 
and I'm not going to go through all that. So <clears throat> without further ado, um, I present to y'all one of Diana Betancourt Macias' original, like a bota azul. This poem is called Fries. Oh my God. I couldn't remember if yours was the fries or the crab one. <laughs> we would love to hear the crab one, friend. No, that's fine. <clears throat> fries. <laughs> Greasy and salty. mocos. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> In silence. <clears throat> Greasy and salty. Ooh, my mouth is watery. They're yummy and long. <laughs> Better than smoking. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'm laughing because I haven't seen this. Damn, I'm fucking up. <clears throat> They're yummy and long. Better than smoking a bong. I like to eat them all day. <laughs> okay. I said okay. <laughs> <clears throat> wow. Oh, there's more. That's yummy. Makes me happy in my tummy. I love fries. Oh, it doesn't end. Nice. And that was it. Yeah. So, um, <sighs> it's a little rough getting through that, but... I was sleep deprived, y'all. It was... Your words were moving me too much, but... Um, just wanted to Can't have that moment. Can't believe pulled that up. <laughs> Yo, she didn't expect this. Um, I did not. <laughs> just thought I would throw that in. Um, <sighs> but <laughs> that aside. Oh my goodness. I know that you have, actually do have <laughs> a special poem. This was like in college. Uh, we were sleep deprived. It was probably like 3 a.m. Was at I the not library. doing poems for a dollar or something like that? I think so, but I don't think you got money. <laughs> <laughs> no, Trashley no. gave me money. Yeah, she did give you money. That yeah. is true. Yeah, you were doing poems. Wow, um, you got one of two. Listen, I it's I'm fr- I have plans to frame it. No, don't please <laughs> burn it. <laughs> Might not eBay it like fucking no. Yeah. But um, no, but that shit was really funny because she was literally like fucking pulling out poems for a dollar, and that was one of them. I so I have that. an original with me. Um, <laughs> but jokes aside, um, Diana is a, is a dope poet and she has, I know, a special poem that she wanted to talk or perform right now for us. And yeah, so I'll let you do the rest, friend. All right. Yeah. So, um, I, this poem is called the five-year-old's migration memoirs and it's a poem about my journey um, from Mexico to the United States like my family crossing the border um, so I talk ab- about that um, and I feel like it's a nice segue to also what we're going to be talking today uh, which is kind of you know the work that I've done which a lot of it stems from really being an undocumented immigrant uh, which is what this is about so yeah again it's called the five-year-old's migration memoirs In a seven by six cage lays a five-year-old's rage. As they took my mama's fingerprints, I sat on the cold floor surrounded by my own outrage. I wanted to cry and scream, let go of my mama, but my vocal cords had been cut off by trauma. As a five-year-old migrant, I learned that my cries were silent. To only expect violence because no one is going to feel bad for an illegal alien, not even on stolen land. Man, the hypocrisy I can't stand. But hold up. 
Let me reverse to give you context of the concepts and the nonsense I am talking about. My journey to this stage took three attempts. The first was the worst as if they had put a curse submerged in a twilight zone. There must have been 30 of us plus our smuggler. Walking through the Sonora Desert, whoo, let me tell you. My shirt and pants covered in dirt. The bushes had these thorns that fucking hurt. Wasn't long before CBP found us. Mamas began screaming and crying and pleading. Por favor, no nos lleven. Por favor, se lo suplico, por favor. Silent pleads. Without remorse, they proceed. They're just doing their job, right? At the processing center, a man tries to speak to me. He looks like me, but I don't understand his language. Deceitful, it's sharp, lethal, and it cut deeper than the thorns felt evil. In the holding cell, I start crying. I knew I was in trouble, but I didn't know why. Did I misbehave? My mama says no, that I have to be brave. She says, Diana, these people want us scared, but we have to keep fighting. These words are now engraved. Our second attempt, another failed attempt. This time the night was dark and pale. I turned to my big sister and she looked sick and frail. I remember my mama's words and whispered to her, we have to keep fighting. Please stop crying. We're hiding under the bushes again, and then we hear the helicopter. My brain goes into panic mode. Its light is searching for us, hunting us, as if this is some video game where you gotta aim because every legal body's 500 points for them to claim. Hunting us, familias looking for our stolen gold. Us, familias looking for a safer place to call home. Us who get caught and taken away, again arrested and detained. But this time, this time I didn't cry. I had stopped feeling. The hunger in my stomach passed on. I was a walking body with no soul withdrawn. My mama wanted me to live and survive, but at five, I was no longer alive. At this point, all I wanted was to see my papa at least one last time. Let him know que lo quiero. Let me give him one last kiss so he doesn't forget. So he doesn't forget me. Let me speak to him. Let him know that I tried to be his brave little girl. I am given one more chance. Our third attempt got me here. 20 years later and I am still fighting. I may not be alive still, but I do want to say this. When they murdered my soul at five years old, a revolution was born in its place. Yeah. Wow. And that's the poem. Much better than the Fry's one. Although I'm going like to give little... people a minute to sit with that. Because, damn, friend. You really grew as a poet. <laughs> Really evolved from the fries. <laughs> really evolved, but from the fries and the crabs. <laughs> it was about the actual like animal crabs. Right. The poem. <clears throat> and the fries were actually about fries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. thank you so much, friend, for that poem. Yeah. Um again, I think it's a blessing anytime that like folks get to share their own creativity and their own artwork. And so um, yeah, I feel like even just as someone who's like, I've heard you perform this already and, um, have heard you like practice this as well. Like, yeah, I think it's just, I'm glad, you know, to that, like I have people around me who are so just talented Aww. and yeah, so um, I guess to segue more, um, I know you wanted to start off with that poem because some of what we're going to be talking about next is more um about your foundation about you yourself what you like to do or not what you are doing as like Mm -hmm. um 
you know, professionally, outside, your hustles. So if you want, um, maybe to start off, like introduce folks, they obviously know, you know, this side of you, what you're doing with Magic Mommies, but maybe for folks who don't follow you personally or know um, other things you do outside of this, like, can you talk more about that and yourself? Yeah, so um, apart from Magic Mummies, you know, a, a really huge part of who I am is an educator. And I love working with youth. I love working with students. I love working with undocumented students. Um, I also really love working with like women of color students. And um, yeah, so I, you know, navigating education in general as an undocumented person, I feel like is really what led me to want to do work around the education sector and, you know, working directly with, with students. Um, I originally when you know, when I was going to college and, uh, I was like, I want to be a politician and I'm going to do political science. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but <laughs> I, you know, in the moment I thought that was it. Um, and after <laughs> experiences working on campaigns with some, you know, folks, I realized that politics isn't what I wanted to do. And I actually, you know, don't trust the political system to you know to liberate our communities and you know i i I think a lot of folks agree um that politics aren't the solution politicians aren't our saviors um community is like we're our own saviors and we're going to save our own selves um and so after graduating i was like you know what i want to do with my life i you know i don't know i don't know where to go from here um everything that i studied is not what i want to do so you know what do i do And so I was very fortunate that I got a job working at a diversity center um, for a college. And so that's kind of where it really stemmed, like me working in education. Um, I was able to start doing trainings. uh, And as soon as other colleges heard about the trainings, they were like, yo, pull up to our college and do a training. And so I started getting paid for like speaking engagements, for trainings and workshops. And I was like, oh, my God, like money like you know (laughs) let me go I'm pretty sure I spent the first like two paychecks that I got on really stupid stuff like you know makeup and stuff which is not stupid but um you know just like things that I I didn't necessarily need uh and I got to the point where I was like okay I can keep going to Sephora and keep running up my points and you know keep my VIB Rouge status on check but let me not like uh, let me not do that um and so that's when I, you know, spoke with my family and something that we always wanted to do was start a scholarship for undocumented students from my high school. And so in 2018 uh, or yeah, 18 or was it 17, something like that. <laughs> That's when we opened up our first scholarship, which was the Betancur Macias Family Scholarship. Um, and from there, I was able to secure other speaking engagements. And eventually, I, you know, went to the bank and I was like, I want to open up a bank account for my organization, but I don't want it to go under my bank account because I don't necessarily want to be taxed for all of this money because it's technically not going towards my income. And so they were like, so you need to start a foundation, ma'am. And I was like, how do I do that? And so uh, I actually believe it was March 2018. So the scholarship was in 2017. So, which makes 2018 the, the first year that we started our scholarship foundation. Um, and we've slowly grown to uh, five different scholarships now. Um, and then we also put on a bunch of other really dope uh, services and programs for folks. So um, during, you know, the pandemic, uh, we've launched a couple of campaigns. Um, one of them was uh, 
making masks and shipping them to essential workers who are undocumented and their families, like their children. Um, so we were able to send out over a thousand masks to un essential workers who are undocumented all over the country. Um, additionally, we raised funds to disperse to undocumented families. So we were very fortunate to have raised over a hundred thousand dollars and uh, we were able to support um, countless undocumented families really from like almost all 50 states, which is really dope, um, including Puerto Rico as well. And then lastly, uh, we launched another campaign to provide DACA applications to DACA recipients who didn't have access to a printer. So since a lot of uh, libraries started to close down and um, the schools also closed down, students didn't have access to a printer. And so they wanted to renew their applications before the Supreme Court decision. And so we decided to, um, you know, raise some funds for that as well to buy um stamps to buy the envelopes and you know printer and, and ink and so that way we could print you know a bunch of applications so i believe we mailed out over 150 different daca renewal applications to undocumented folks or daca recipients across the country so that was also really dope so that's a little bit on like what i do with my foundation again i'm an educator so i do work at a um at a school i work at a public four-year university uh so, uh, supporting undocumented students directly. So um, I also recently, uh, you know, with the support and the advocacy and the love of students, uh, we created a, um, a really dope program called Be the Boss for Women of Color students uh, to help them as they, you know, transition from college into the professional world and finding jobs and all of that. Um, and this coming quarter, winter quarter, uh, 2021, um, I will be uh, teaching my first course as adjunct faculty. A big boss moves. Absolutely. Did you at all want to talk a little bit about like what you'll be teaching? Because I honestly think that this is so fucking yeah. dope, and the fact that you're doing this, I mean flex friend <laughs> yeah so the class is called be the boss uh shout out to my coworker ian who came up with the name for me because i am not good with coming up names um and so yeah i you know working at the diversity center um i feel like i i noticed a lot that a lot of our women of color students were graduating and didn't have any jobs lined up um, and I know that was also my experience when, you know, when I graduated from college, I also didn't have any job lined up. And I was like, man, like I did so much in college. Like, how am I not qualified for any job? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, I, I don't like I just I don't know what to do. I, I don't have a job. I feel like I'm not qualified for anything. Um, and my parents never you know, applied to the kind of jobs that I was applying. I didn't even know what kind of like salary to, to really expect. Um, and so when I saw other students going through this and, you know, saw the pattern that most of them were women of color students, I was like, you know, I know there's some statistics on this that, you know, women of color have a much more difficult experience finding jobs after graduation. And, you know, I looked it up and, you know, of course, you know, with misogyny and racism um, and homophobia and transphobia and all these other like isms um you know there was a lot of data on women of color and you know the the lack of support that they receive and you know finding employment um especially post-graduation 
And so I, you know, went to my boss, who's super amazing and very supportive of like all the projects that I want to do. And I told him, like, I want to create some type of program where we can put on workshops for women of color students to help them find jobs. So um, now that we we were able to turn the program, uh, which was a series of workshops into a class, um, I'm actually um, going to be having a bunch of panelists. So it's a 10 week course. Um, and for like eight out of the 10 weeks, we're going to be having panelists come in every single week uh, and sharing like their experiences. And so some of the topics that we'll be discussing uh, are going to include like how to find a job, right? Like where do you even look? Like how do you use Indeed and Glassdoor and, you know, like our own uh, universities, like um, job kind of site, as well as like LinkedIn um, and in general, like search uh, job search engines. We're also going to go over like resumes, cover letters, supplemental questions. Um, we're also going to, you know, practice and do mock interviews and second interviews. We're going to talk about, you know, harassment in the workplace and what happens um, because we, you know, we we also know that women of color experience harassment in the workplace at much, much higher um, numbers than, you know, their counterparts. And so we're going to be talking about like, what are your rights? What happens if you report your, you know, um, abuser to HR and HR doesn't do anything, then what do you do from there? Right. Um, we're also going to discuss mentorship. Like, how do you find community when community, you can't find community at your workspace because there's only, you know, two women of color. Um, you know, how do you find mentors? What, what can you expect from a mentor? Um, and many, many other things. Um, uh, like I said, I, you know, I'm obviously like no expert on all of those topics. Um, so I'm really excited to be hosting. I, I think I have like over 30 different women of color from different fields, uh, different backgrounds, different ethnicities coming in to speak to students on their own experiences and on those specific topics as well. Yeah. So dope. I think, um, thank you for talking about that because I think often a conversation we have is how like we often see how people are wanting to like abolish all these things, right? Like wanting to like do the abolishment work of like, um, how do we like create a world where these things like don't exist? And a lot of times like the things that you're speaking on and the things that you're going to be teaching it's like these institutions like universities can easily uphold mm -hmm. them so to now like reimagine that and or try to reimagine that and create this space and curate this space where you can give information that isn't necessarily like given to us in these institutions or mm -hmm. where they want to talk about because they don't want to out them you know they don't mm -hmm. want to be responsible for for what they perpetuate and so mm -hmm. um I think that's really dope and I think that this also is a great segue as to like we now know the person so like learning more now about like um, your foundation and like um, you know it's important to get to know like the people behind the scenes and so um, I would love to hear more about um, you talked already about um, some of the things your foundation does so maybe um, segueing also into the type of scholarships that y'all have I know y'all like provide like five five different scholarships mm -hmm. um and i know that they each have like their own um specifications um but like talking more about how that came about to be um and yeah, yeah like what you kind of want to share about that yeah so um one of the missions for for my family's foundation is to be as successful as possible um but to also you know be a kind of foundation that is a when we say that we support undocumented folks to like actually be about it right and so a lot of undocumented folks 
uh, have, you know, I feel like we have experiences of applying to scholarships and they always want to know, like, you know, what are some hurdles that you've been through? Or um, essentially, like, what my sister and I always call it is, like, they want us to bleed on paper, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they want us to write these essays with our own blood and our own tears um, because they, you know, I feel like sometimes it's almost a competition of, like, who has been through the most, you know, who has overcome the most violence and all of that. And, And I don't want that. I don't, I don't want that to be um, what students feel like they're doing when they're applying to our scholarships. So um, we have five different scholarships. Uh, we're very proud that none of them have GPA requirements, uh, volunteering requirements, extracurricular requirements, none of that. Uh, you know, our scholarships are for all undocumented students. Um, and we always encourage students specifically who, you know, do not have like a high GPA, um, are not necessarily like super involved in all of that to apply because we know that often it, it's not a matter of choice. You know, it's not like whether it's, it's not like these students are choosing not to get good grades as we also understand that our community, um, you know, the, our, our youth and our and this, undocumented students have to have to take on so many other responsibilities apart from school. Um, and in order for us to to really be about it and really make our scholarships accessible, um, we took away, you know, requirements that most scholarships have. Um, and so our scholarships uh, are actually two of them are named after uh, my grandparents. So one of them, the one that's open to undocumented students, you know, any undocumented student across the country uh, is the Victoriano Macias Luevano scholarship, which is my mom's father. Um, and he was really huge on like, you know, um, his granddaughters one day getting an education. Um, unfortunately, he never got to live to see any of us graduate, um, but, um, you know, uh, it still feels, it makes me feel some type of way to, to know that, um, especially being the first one in my family who graduated from college, definitely made me feel some type of way um, that, you know, I was able to, to make that dream of his happen. And, and now with my sisters also graduating, I just, I know he's like fucking bursting with pride. Um, so one of the other um, scholarships that we also have is the Claudia Patricia Gomez Gonzalez Scholarship. Um, so this one is also very special. Um, it's specifically for um, an undocumented person from a Central American country. And it's uh, it's really dope because this uh, scholarship is actually, you know, open uh, for folks to use on like uh, English learning classes, high school completion programs, GED courses, um, vocational programs, transitional courses, you know, college courses, all the above. Um, And so we really wanted to open it up to make sure um, that we also kind of like reimagine what education looks like um, and and not push the narrative that only those pursuing college degrees are deserving of an education, right? We know that education looks very many different ways. Um, And so with this one, we were actually able to get in contact with Claudia Patricia Gomez Gonzalez's parents uh well her mom specifically and so for those of you who don't know who claudia was uh she was a guatemalan um woman and uh she was uh murdered at the border while she was attempting to cross um into the u.s and so there was you know um there was a a lot of like protests and a lot of folks trying to to really um spread awareness because i i don't think a lot of folks really knew about it and you know there's hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands and thousands of undocumented folks who um, die at the border and are often not really talked about. Um, and so we wanted to, of course, like be very respectful of, of how we went about it. And so I was able to get in contact with someone um, who 
was in contact with our cousin. And so through her cousin, um, we were able to um, get in contact with Claudia's mother. And so um, I wasn't able to talk with her directly, but the person supporting me was able to actually talk to her, mm -hmm. like uh, not in person, but through phone. And so she explained to her like what the scholarship was, what it meant, and that it would be an honor of her daughter. And so uh, we were very fortunate to be able to get her um, her mother's blessing to do the scholarship. So. Um, yeah, that was, that's pretty uh, pretty special, and I'm really you know glad we're able to offer that. Um, and then our other scholarships is the Black is Brilliant scholarship. So that was specifically used to um, for Black undocumented students. Um, as you know, all of us know the the current uh, political climate. Like we live in a fucking anti-Black as world, not just in the U.S. Like anti-Blackness is global. You know. Um, all anti or all non-black folks are anti-black no matter what we say like we have been conditioned and socialized to to be that way and we have to continuously and consciously um you know work towards uh you know get, not being anti-black um and so we wanted to specifically create this scholarship because we feel like even within the undocumented community and the immigrant rights movement there's a lot of anti-blackness there's a lot of lack of support for black undocumented folks um and so this one was specifically to to honor um the the black folks within our undocumented community and to provide you know just additional support because we feel like um you know there, there's just never enough support for for uh black undocumented folks within our community uh we also have a derecha soñar scholarship the right to dream scholarship uh this one is also i'm saying they're all very special and they really are they're all special they are i'm I, I feel like you know i'm just like this one is also very special to me but they're all very special to me um mm -hmm. So this one is for an undocumented parent specifically, um, and just like the uh, Claudia scholarship, this one is also open for um, you know English learning classes, high school completion, GED, etc. Um, and so yeah, we my family is really big on just because our parents came here doesn't mean their dreams are over. And I know that often our parents tell us you know we we brought you here because we want you to accomplish our dreams, and we want to kind of you know turn that around and twist it around and say, you know, you came here and you also had dreams. Um, and so we want to support parents and making their own dreams come true because we think that it's never too late for that to happen. Um, and then lastly, we have our Mariposa Sin Frontera scholarship. Um, so this one is specifically for uh, folks who identify as gay, as LGBTQIA+, uh, and who are undocumented students. Um, as a gay person myself, um, I, you know, this originally was a, a scholarship um, in honor of two friends very dear uh, and, you know, uh, very close to me uh, who identify as gay. And so... Um, you know, we, we all know that, uh, you know, gay folks in general just have to go through so much more bullshit. Um, and so, you know, being undocumented and being gay, I feel like there's just so much within that intersectionality that is really like fucked up and just a lot of shit that happens to our, you know, our gay undocumented community. So I wanted to create that scholarship for that. Um, and yeah, so that's a little bit about like the five different scholarships that we have. They're, as you know, I've mentioned, they're all very uh, special to, to me and my family. And um, there's a reason why we created each and every single one of them. So there's a lot of in, in, um, intentionality behind it um, and, you know, behind the purposes of each one. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, I think rightfully so that they're, they are all very special because 
in general, it's not like there's a lot of foundations curating like their scholarships for undocu folks. And then mm. on top of that, like um, actually addressing like where money needs to go under like what barriers. There's so much that like um, mm. people don't take into consideration. And I mean, scholarships in themselves are can be very elitist. Right. And they can also just be very um traumatizing and re-triggering so I think rightfully so they should be very special mm. um, and they are very special and I think again like talking about the word of reimagining like this is also like I think a way to um, hopefully allow folks to see that it can th- things can be re- reimagined the way we disperse money can be reimagined as well mm. um, um, but yeah, I think something that is also very special about your foundation is how intentional um, y'all are with uh, supporting youth, especially. And I think that is like, um, you know, it's like your friend on the sideline, like seeing you manage this the way that you and your family put a lot of intention about um about youth specifically and supporting you through things. So um, I know that your foundation also has a youth group. um, And so I would love if you can speak more so about your involvement with youth, um, how you're supporting them. And also um, maybe like the, I know we're about healing, but like I also know that your foundation carries a lot of um, intention around healing and within community as well. So um, yeah, if you could talk more about that. Yeah. so we yeah so the youth group that we have under my foundation uh my family's foundation is called youth uh or seeds for liberation um and it's really funny how it actually started (laughs) so uh, my mom was asked to do a speaking engagement at um like i think at the high school that my sisters and i all went to and graduated from and so it was like a parents night and my sister and my mom both went to talk on behalf of the foundation and like you know the work that we're doing and the scholarships that we provide and there was this mom who went up to my mom and she was like i have a son who wants to go to college but doesn't know how to get there and i don't know how to help him get there is it okay if you know your family can support us in that process like you know with you having three daughters who you know have gone through college and have graduated and you know like you as a parent you know I would love to get some advice and guidance on like how I can support my child and so my mom being the person that she is she was like oh my god yes like you should come over to my house the next time my daughter like comes to Vancouver and you know (laughs) bring parents and bring you know as many other parents as you want I totally hear your mom saying that (laughs) (laughs) and so um I don't know if you remember this, but it was actually the day that we did that photo shoot. Um, yes, I do. Yeah. I remember. Because I think you found... Did you find out that... Did you yeah. already know? Did you find out that day? I found out that day. Yeah, I remember. Because you're like, oh, wait. There's like, all these parents are coming to my house. And there's going to be this whole thing. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really know what to expect. Yeah, I had no idea really what it was. And so... We did that photo shoot. I didn't even know, like, I legit did not know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of like, you know, we were doing that photo shoot. And then my mom calls me and she's like, hey, the parents are here and they're waiting for you. And I'm like, what? What? Pa- what? Like, what's going on? And so I show up all glammed out, right, after the photo <laughs> shoot. And there's, like, parents at our house. Um, and, yo, these parents, man, like, they are dedicated. They are, like, badass. 
um, from day one, like since that day that we met, they were like, you know, we have questions. Like they came in with Ready. like lists mm. of questions, um, you know, that they asked my sisters and I. And so after, you know, maybe like what, four, five, six hours that we were meeting, um, they were like, can we bring our children next time? So like they can hear y'all say this and like they can ask specific questions. And we were like, yeah like we'd be more than happy to meet with them and so the next time we met they all brought their children they brought more parents more children (laughs) (laughs) how um like what were the numbers do you think um the first time we met there was like maybe like five like the parents of five youth Mm -hmm. so if you some of them are single parents so we had maybe like eight parents Mm -hmm. and then after that um we maybe had like 12 13 and then it slowly grew so we have a total of uh 12 solid students now who like come every single week um so about 15 or so parents um so yeah so they brought their children and that's really where it started i mean it was the parents who pushed for it it was the parents who wanted it they were the ones who were like you know can we start some type of something for you all to continue to mentor and support our our children and we were like hell yeah um and so that's really what these for the liberation has turned into it's a support group for uh undocumented students or students whose parents are undocumented and they're first gen uh you know most of them being low income but you know they're just like they're the sweetest freaking kids ever um they're just they're just freaking amazing um so they've been able to do a lot of like uh volunteer work they've been able to get a lot of like opportunities where they've presented workshops uh they did work uh with like the census and in, in spreading the word of like why it's important for the latinx community to fill out the census um and then additionally they got paid for that work too so we've been able to get them some like good paid opportunities uh, so they can earn money to like either support their parents or like you know put that towards college um and then lastly we've done different like uh fundraisers so we did a fundraiser so we could purchase uh, shirts so they do have those (laughs) um and then we've also been able to do uh like school drives um, mm-hmm. where we were able to purchase and provide, you know, backpacks and all of the school supplies that they needed uh, to make sure that they started the school year off right uh, with all the supplies that they needed. Um, but I think what's also really dope about the work that we do is like, I don't know, like I feel like my sisters and I, we always feel like we don't, I don't know, we, we're we willing to pay a little extra for them to get nice things because um I feel like as undocumented folks, we often feel like charity work, right? Like I remember growing up, like my mom would sign us up to get uh, gifts from like the Catholic churches and I appreciated the gifts. So, I mean, that's the first time I got a doll. That's the first time I got a bike um, and I appreciate it so much, but it was always like you, you get what you are given and you mm-hmm. are happy with that right it's never an option of like what do you want it's always like what you are given and that's it like you um all you can do is you know say thank you and i, I still you know often feel that way um when help is is provided but i don't want our youth to feel like they you know 
that they are ever seen like charity or make them feel like they don't deserve nice things because they have to just be happy with what they are given and so i'm not gonna lie we were able to buy them some nice ass like north face patagonia like backpacks um and you know they were able to kind of like pick them out themselves too and like purchase them like the pencils that they wanted uh and you know and just in general like the supplies that they would choose if they were able to choose their own things mm -hmm. uh, because we feel like uh, autonomy even when it comes to things like you know picking out school supplies like we think that's important like we don't want these youth to grow up again feeling like they all they ever deserve is just what people you know give mm -hmm. them um so yeah that's a little bit about kind of like what we've done with the group um additionally like we do we we do try to do uh we try to do like workshops and spaces where we also um teach the youth about mental health and wellness um you know as being you know undocumented uh some of them first gen many of them low income uh you know they've, they've experienced uh marginalization they've experienced different forms of oppression um and, and you know have gone through uh very difficult challenges and so we want to ensure that as we're working with them we're also helping them you know kind of explore like what is mental health right um some of the youth actually put on um a uh, feria de la salud mental for their parents this wow. is how beautiful these children are man like they, they like they literally created a um an event and they attended one of my workshops that i do um for like uh for undocu youth on like mental health and like what it is and stuff and so they got interested in it and they were like you know what this is really cool but our parents need to hear this because we see how like stressed and anxious and just like not emotionally and mentally okay our parents are and so they actually like brought it up like took it upon themselves to like get all these resources and so they worked in collaboration with a bunch of different community organizations and they put on this huge event where a bunch of latinx parents went and it was like in english and in spanish my mom actually was able to share her own story on like her battle with like depression and like suicidal thoughts and like um just like her own journey uh you know battling uh mental health illnesses and so it was really dope because i feel like you know within the latinx community and especially within the undocumented community we never talk about mental health so to have a auditorium you know of parents latinx and many of them undocumented talking about mental health and getting resources and hearing from mental health professionals about the importance of you know therapy and you know um, seeking out support when you need it like all of that it was just like fucking dope <laughs> um and so you know I, I would definitely say that healing in various different ways is, is also a huge element to mm -hmm. the work that we do uh whether it's healing circles it's you know supporting our, our youth as they put on events for their parents um to even just the way that we show up and we show love for the youth right like i think that's also really huge um because we always want to make sure that they feel respected, that they feel loved, they feel supported, they feel cared for. Um, and again, again, not in a way where, you know, they're anyone's type of charity, but like as dope as fucking individuals who, um, you know, are fucking like deserving of, of dignity and deserving of respect and deserving of love. So, um, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're freaking amazing, man. I also want to give context that like, this is all happening in like Deanna's hometown, Vancouver, Washington, which I think says a lot that like one, 
this is happening in Vancouver and that like youth are leading these type of like spaces because I, you know, it is a more like suburban-ish area. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's more remote from like the city type of life where like there's all these resources, all these spaces, sometimes all these events, like people are putting out all these things and like community is like you can it's like readily available a lot of the time like in comparison to seattle where we're at now right like um that's how i think i would put it and so the fact that this is happening in a place like vancouver or like like that part of washington i think is also speaks a lot of volumes because it's work that like vancouver and i'm not going to say that like they've never seen before because again like i my knowledge of like um the activism around there isn't like the best but also like in my 20 plus years of living there right like um these spaces haven't always been there like mm-hmm. um i grew up with um um migrant parents as well right so like these like spaces weren't like create like created at the time so like the fact that this is happening mm-hmm. um i think that context is really important um so yeah like (laughs) your kids are dope as fuck and i think it's very Mm -hmm. special that these spaces are like happening as well Mm -hmm. there um where like it's it's needed right and um yeah again not gonna say i haven't seen like it being done but i don't know if you would agree that like uh, no I, i definitely agree yeah i mean being a suburbs and vancouver has slowly um it didn't always have a huge immigrant and undocumented population. It definitely grew over the years and it's definitely grown like even from when I was in high school. Um, so I, I definitely feel like, you know, as the undocumented population has grown, um, you know, I, I feel like the it's beautiful to see that the youth have taken it upon themselves to like provide resources for their parents and the rest of the community. But yeah, I, I remember like growing up in Vancouver there wasn't really many resources and that's coming from someone who went to like the school with the most undocumented students. Mm-hmm. Like even then um, there weren't really any resources or like anyone there to like help you out. Um, you know, the folks that I was very fortunate to come across um, didn't always necessarily know how to help me. They were just the kind of folks that were like, I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. Um, so I feel like that that's the kind of folks that, you know, that we had, uh, but the, the knowledge and the resource to, resources definitely were not there. Mm. I agree with that. 